0: And starting uh, June 19th, well, I'll be taking on Skyline United Methodist Church as well. I'm very excited for what God is doing uh, through us, and uh, it's a it's a great honor to be here. And every time um, Pastor Stephen he he says, uh, you know, he asked me to to fill in his place, you know, I get nervous, you know, because uh, you know my. It's, it's some big shoes to fill out, but I'm sure that God is going to take control, and there's a great word for you this morning, and I'm so excited that you are here. If you guys are new to Harvest Point, a couple of things. Come back next Sunday and listen to Pastor Stephen, and, uh, and just open your heart to what God has to share with you this morning. Amen? Amen. You guys are ready to hear God's word? Yes. Absolutely. Let's go to the Lord in prayer, shall we? Father God, it's an honor to be here this morning, and I thank you so much for the blessing of being in your house today. Father, thank you for this great family, my family, Father, that you have blessed me with, and uh, thank you for, for this body of Christians, Lord, that are here today. Father, I pray that your word will flow, Father, and will touch a need and will touch uh, a heart this morning, and that uh, we have experience a life-changing moment today. Father, thank you for worship. Thank you for a great time of worship that we just had, Lord, feeling your presence flowing in your house. And Father, as, I, as, as you use me to share this word, Father, I pray, Father, that, that you will take my place. I am humbled, and uh, I just want to honor you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Well, you know, one of the things that I've learned, and uh, I was listening to a message a couple of, uh, couple of months ago. And, and I learned a great deal about the churches in itself. And as you heard, Pastor Steven, I, and through the process of, of uh, be, becoming a, a new pastor at a new church, you know one of the things that I always do is I, I want to explore the territory, you know? And as I was meeting with uh, the staff over there at Skyland, it's very different than here. So then I realized that each church has a DNA. Each church has a different DNA. And, and when I looked at that and I started thinking, DNA, wow. So what is DNA? DNA, and, and I'm going to share this with you, I'm not, I'm by no means I'm no doctor and I have no experience in the medical field. I had to ask my eight-year-old son about what DNA is. And DNA is a self-replicating material present in nearly all living organisms as the main constituent of chromosomes. I don't know what that means. (laughs) But in a nutshell, one of the things that stood out in this definition with all these big words was living organisms, living organisms, a church is a living body. Amen? Therefore, the church has its DNA. Does that make sense? Now, what is our DNA? What is Harvest Point's DNA? And one of the things that I asked myself while I was thinking about DNA was how can I be of encouragement to my brother so the both of us, or my sister, so the both of us can be fired up and fully committed to Jesus Christ in his body. And I'll ask that again. How can I be or how can you be of encouragement to a brother or a sister so the both of you and the both of us can be fired up and fully committed to the Lord? I want to share three components of what DNA is is three components dna you ready for this here we go the d denial the n navigation and the a action denial say it with me denial navigation and action right you sounded great anyway (laughs) now let's start off with denial you ready for this Denial. Deny myself for Christ's sake. Deny myself for Christ's sake or for the sake of Jesus Christ. Matthew, on the fifth chapter, verses 1 through 12, reads like this. And it says in the the NIV version, Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to Him, and He began to teach them. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for there is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. In the book of Mark, on the 8th chapter, verse 34 says this, Then he called the crowd to him, along with his disciples, and said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Now, one thing I can grasp is that many times we will deny our place in Christ because we're so worried of what people might think about me as being a Christian. Have you ever ever felt that? My, you know, my image, my reputation... You know, I don't want people to know that I'm a Christian, so I'm going to be a little bit of an undercover, you know? Now we got undercover Christians around here, you know? So, so this, is, this is what I call the, the midget Christian, you know, the, the, the one that, 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 that kind of like hides, like, like Peter, when, when people were recognizing him when Jesus was arrested and he was saying, no, I've never hung out with this man, I've never seen this man, no, 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 no. Now I'm not going to repeat the cuss words that he might have said, but uh, to, to try to prove a point. But a true disciple, a true disciple, goes the extra mile for the kingdom of God. A true disciple, because you got you got Christians, but then you have disciples, those that want to be like Christ, and we'll take care of that in a minute. Now, a true disciple will not care about what other people say because we serve Jesus Christ. Amen? We feel that we, we, sometimes we can feel pressure when we're in a group setting, especially for you, for the young guys, you know, in school. And now that in public schools, all the stuff that's going on, you know, now everybody has a right except the Christian kids. Everybody has a right except the Christian kid. Now, I don't care what the Supreme Court says. You know, they have to bow down to my king. Amen? Now, we would prefer to make people happy at all costs. But, you know, it's like the movie God's Not Dead Part 2. Now, there is a video clip that I want you guys to check out very carefully. And, um, and then we're going to go back to the subject. You guys are ready? Check this out. I assume Ms. Wesley understands that this board has the power to recommend any number of disciplinary actions, up to and including termination. She does. And this board should be aware that in the event of such termination, which we would view as both wrongful and without cause, she reserves all rights of redress. I may have a solution. There might be a way around all of this unpleasantness that would satisfy all parties. A disciplinary notice in Ms. Wesley's file, stating the school board's objections to her behavior, a response from Ms. Wesley, confessing the inappropriateness of and apologizing for her actions, along with a pledge not to engage in similar discussion of Jesus in the future. I'm confident that we can move forward on that basis. No. Grace. I can't. I'd like to request a brief recess to have a word with my client. Excuse okay. me. Wait. Grace, this is exactly what we are hoping for. I mean, this is the part where you say you're sorry, thank your lawyer, go back to your classroom, pick up your life, and move on. I can't do that. Why? That gave an honest answer to a student's legitimate question in his history- Grace. Grace. You don't want to do this. It's the wrong decision. Is it? I I would rather stand with God and be judged by the world than stand with the world and be judged by God. I am not going to be afraid to say the name Jesus. Would we rather stand with the world or would we rather stand by God? Would would I rather be judged by the world or would I rather be judged by God? You see, when, when we talk about the word denial, we're talking about denying myself for the sake of Jesus Christ. And this is exactly what God wants. He wants us to deny ourselves, and to honor him at all costs. It's like when Peter and John were arrested because they were talking about Jesus, and it was the same scenario. Peter and John were told, we will set you free, we will set you free, but do not talk about this man Ever again. And Peter and John told them this, the same exact words. I'd rather live by obedience to the Lord in rotten jail than be set free dishonoring God. Amen? Now let's go to the second part, navigation. Navigation. Navigate towards being like Christ. In the book of Romans, chapter 8, verses 28 and 29, says this, And we know that in all things God's work, God, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his, peop- to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Now, what we navigate is because our goal is to get to a destination, right? And what would be our destination as the body of Christ? What is our ultimate goal as the body of Christ? Where would you see yourself? In the next two years. Now I, I, I shared this with our congregation last week. One of the things that I shared with them was if you take yourself and you and you evaluate yourself two years ago to the now, and you see yourself that that you know what you ask yourself these two questions. How how have I been effective in the body of Christ? How have I how have I moved forward? As a disciple of Jesus where do I see myself today if I see myself today as I was two years ago then I have to kind of evaluate my walk with Christ am I growing or am I staying stuck I want to grow I want to grow I want to be like Christ and I will do whatever it takes to to fulfill that and to get to that point now Our destination as disciples of Christ is to be more like Christ. Now, why do we come to church? What's the reason behind, you know, coming to every Sunday to church? I remember when I was growing up, in my my childhood days, when I was, you know, as I was growing up and being a kid and being a teenager, there was two reasons why I went to church, Number one, I was forced to. I hated Sundays. You know, I remember I was four or five years old, and to me, Sundays was wearing uncomfortable clothes. That was it. My mother used to wear, she used to put these button-down shirts. She would grab a pick and lift up my afro, you know. And that hurt. Not only that, not only that, the pants, she could not understand that were, they were tight, you know? My shoes, let's not even talk about shoes. I mean, it was painful. To me, going to church was a painful moment, you know? It was uncomfortable. I didn't, want, I didn't like the clothes. Then to sit there, I didn't even know what I was doing in this classroom with a bunch of kids I didn't even know, you know? The only thing I looked forward to was Roy Rogers' chicken after church. That was it. You know, then we moved to Puerto Rico, and uh, in the hills where I was raised, there was two types of churches. There was was the international movement of the Pentecostal body, and then there was your Roman Catholic. Talking about denominational feud, I I mean, all I heard was, these are not godly people, and the other one's right, these are a bunch of fanatics. That's all I heard. And then at home, my dad was Roman Catholic and my mother was a Pentecost. So then I had the family feud in my house. I was so, it, that's what I was raised with. Then when I was growing up, and I, you know, in my teenage years, the second reason I started going to church and taking interest was because there was something in the church that caught the attention of my eye. The cute girls. Yeah. You know, my grandmother called it, you go to, she would say, "You now you're going to church because of the fish and the bread. You know, there's something that, I didn't care what the pastor said, I was looking this way, you know, hey, <laughs> and, and that was it, I was, I was not going for the right reason, there was the only two reasons why I was going to church, number one, I was forced to, with the uncomfortable shoes, and number two, the cute girls, and um, many people live convinced This being said, that being in church, going to church, automatically makes us Christians. You know? You can ask somebody and say, hey, are you a Christian person? Oh, yeah, I go to church every Sunday. You know? Uh, I was raised in the Methodist church since I was a kid. You know? Maybe I never had an encounter with Christ, but I'm a Christian. You know? It doesn't make... It doesn't make you a Christian coming to church just as much as being in an airport doesn't make you an airplane. Or being in a stable doesn't make you a horse. You know, being in church doesn't make us Christians. The only way we become Christians is by being born again through Jesus Christ. Amen? The only way we become Christians is through Jesus Christ. Christ himself. And to, to become a disciple of Christ and be able to navigate to be just like Christ, we have to be born again through Christ. We just can't do it by being just simple churchgoers. We have to be, we have to have an experience with the Lord. We had to be saved through, G, through the blood of Christ and start our journey through our discipleship, and to see where God is going to take all of us because it's an exciting ride. Amen? Now, number three. So far, we have denial. We have navigation. And number three, action. Action. The action to do God's will. Someone that follows the will of God, obedience. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 says this, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good, to do good work which God prepared in advance for us to do. This means two things. Number one, very important that we all understand this. We were chosen by God. Simple. We were chosen by God. And being that we understand that we were chosen by God, that means that you were not an accident. God did not make a mistake in bringing you here. You are here because there is a purpose, and the purpose will be fulfilled in your life once we realize that we are not a mistake and we were chosen by God. You can look in yourself in the mirror and proudly say, I was chosen by the Lord. Out of this whole crowd, I was chosen by God. You were chosen by God. So that should be a proud moment at this time, is that we were chosen by the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Amen? Now, we all know that even though we were created for a purpose, we are all sinners. Am I right? Nobody's perfect. And I remember way back when, when I drifted away from the Lord and and I did all the hoopla's and a a teenage boy would do, I remember that I had this mistakenly concept that, you know, I always knew that God existed. I was raised with those principles. My grandparents were always praying for for, for their grandkids, especially for this one. And... One of the things that I would think and I would say to myself is, okay, I need to stop and change certain things in my life so I can go to church and be accepted, you know? But I was thinking about being accepted by people. Then I realized I didn't have to change anything to be accepted by God. And as I walked inside that church, and God did wonders, he produced the change. So it doesn't matter what conditions we are living right now. The fact of the matter remains that we will come to Christ no matter what, because we're all sinners. We always carry this, guilty, this guilt trip about, well, you know you might be a sinner, but I'm a greater sinner. You know what? A sin is a sin and that's it. You know, there's no greater or little or... or uh, sin is sin, point blank and period. As a matter of fact, let me define what sin is. You know, sin is everything that we do outside of the will of God. All right? Everything that we do outside of the will of God. Now, I could be standing here right now next to a murderer or something. And in our eyes, we'll see him as the great sinner and Jose as the bomb. That's the way I see myself. I'm going gonna, gonna to confess that. Anyway, the thing is that he and I, we're on that same sinful boat. Because even though if I would think in slapping the snot out of this guy, I'm, I'm committing a sin. Let me tell you this. When we hear the word sin, we think of the basics. Adultery, murder, lying, stealing, committing any kind of crime, so on and so forth. That's what we go by. But I say this again. Sin is everything done out of the will of God, right? So hear me out. Whoever knows what's the right thing to do and does not do it, is committing a sin. Let me repeat that. Whoever knows what's the right thing to do and does not do it, is committing a sin. Meaning this. If I know that there is the need, if I know that there is a need, and I have the opportunity to fulfill that need, to bless the one that's in need, and I choose not to do it, I'm sinning against God. Nikki and I were sharing that this morning, that God gives us opportunities to be a blessing to those that are unfortunate. Now, I've been on the unfortunate side, and now, thankfully, I'm more onto the fortunate side. And have opportunities to be a blessing to those that are unfortunate. You guys, I mean, to me, it's such an honor to be able to bless somebody that's in need. Not that I'm going to broadcast it because I don't, you know, I'm not going to broadcast it through Facebook. Hey, I blessed somebody today with a $20 bill. No. No. I want to keep it a secret, and God will take care of the rest. One of the things that my kids and I, that we do, as a matter of fact, my whole family, is this. Is that every time we go out as a family, as a unit, we stop at the door, and I tell them this. I say, listen, we're going to leave this door, we're going to get in our cars, and we're going to go have a great time. The time of our lives. However, keep your radars on because we might encounter somebody that's hungry. We might encounter somebody that's needing clothing. We might encounter somebody that you don't know what it is that they need. We are going to be a blessing to them. We're going to stop what we're doing. We're going to take care of this need and then we'll go back to our party. Sometimes we have that opportunity. Sometimes we don't find anybody that needs at the moment. But God has blessed us so much for his obedience. I mean, I have what I have because he gave it to me. What gives me the right to retain it when it's actually his? Well, I work for it. Yes, I know I work for it. But the one who opened the door for me to go in this job is the one that can close it and me, on, and me be on that side of the fence. I don't want to be on that side of the fence. I want to be on the blessing end where I have the opportunity to give. Because sometimes you're also going to receive. And if you don't receive what's been given to you, you're stealing the blessing of the one that wants to give. Right? So... Be a giver and watch God bless you tremendously beyond all measures. The moment you understand that you'll experience a life-changing moment with Christ. Whoever knows what's the right thing to do and does not do it is committing sin. I'm getting to the closing moments of this message because I'm not a Lengthy preacher. I go short, sweet, and to the point. The other day, I went to a wedding and it was pretty long. And my daughter looks at me and she says, Dad, I love your ceremonies. And I want to close out with this. I remember growing up. Remember the movie The Wizard of Oz? That classic? First of all, I didn't know Dorothy was actually Lysa Melanie's mother, but that's beyond the point. Everybody else knew except me. That's how lost I was. But I remember growing up, Watching the Wizard of Oz as I was a kid, you know, Follow the Yellow Brick Road, you know, and all that, the Munchkins and all that other neat little story. I like the fact that it started in black and white and then it went colors. That was something amazing. But I remember Dorothy having three friends, three buddies. The Scarecrow, the Tin Man, and the Lion. Three friends. Now, the Scarecrow was in search of a brain. Remember that? Scarecrow was in search of a brain. If I only had a brain, he would say. Now, Jesus, Jesus needs more followers to think his thoughts, to think his thoughts. When my kids come with a situation or anybody from the church comes with a certain situation that needs counseling, I would ask the same question. What would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? If you were Jesus, how would you take care of it? Because Jesus needs more followers to think his thoughts. We're so caught up in acting based on our own emotions and our own logics. But Jesus is seeking... Followers that think his thoughts. Then you have the tin man. The tin man who was in search of a heart. If I only had a heart. Jesus needs followers with hearts of compassion. Jesus needs followers that has a heartbeat like his. So he's looking for those that will think like him, and he's looking for those with he's seeking followers with compassionate hearts. And then we have Mr. Cowardly Lion. A lion that's scared of his own shadow. Now, the world is full of cowardly Christians. It's full of Christians that are ashamed of mentioning Jesus' name. Christians that are ashamed to pray at a restaurant before eating their meal. Christians that are afraid to talk about Jesus because of what would they say? Would I be persecuted? Christians that we are so caught up in our comfort zone that we cannot see far beyond. Now, Jesus needs his followers to stand up with courage and boldness. Now, he called us to be brave. He called us to be courageous. Jesus called us because he has a plan for us. His plan is to continue that great commission, to preach the word, to teach, to testify about him. You don't have to be a Bible whiz. Just share what Jesus did with you. Share what he did with you. Everyone here has a story. Share your story. Share your story. You'll be amazed of how many lives you're going to touch based on your story. What has God done in your life? How was that moment when you came from, from being lost In the world, that moment when you said yes to Jesus, how was that moment? Share your story. Don't be afraid. You know, Jesus says, "You know, we need to be, you you know, to be forced. You know, you you need to be courageous." He promised that He will be with us. We are never alone. He is with us. So as we deny ourselves for Christ and as we navigate towards being like Christ and as we take action to do God's will, how many of us are willing to do these three things? How many of us are willing to deny ourselves for the sake of Jesus? How many of us, are willing to navigate towards being more like Christ and less like the world? How many of us are willing to take action to do God's will by telling others about Christ? God has, give you, God has gifted you with special talents. He has put a passion in your heart to do great things. And sometimes we can say, you know what, I'm not even worthy, nor am I prepared to do what God is asking me to do. You don't have to be. You don't have to be. Because you don't have to have special skills to be qualified to do God's work. He will equip you. You don't have to be equipped Because he will equip you. He will prepare you. And he will take you places far beyond you have never, ever dreamed of. I have a pastor friend. Her name is Yasmin. And her fiancé, Pastor Lacroix. They don't do work in the United States. They pastor at Pakistan. And I've learned a great deal with these two, and I fell in love with their heart the moment that we've met. And one of the things that she, say, she shares with us, with, and I want to share with you, she says, she says, brother, many times while we're preaching the word, the armed forces and the police will come, they will torture us, they will beat us down, I cannot help the persecution that's going on in my country, she says. But I'm going to stay firm. And I'm going to equip and prepare with boldness. Because my ultimate goal is to get to heaven. These people walk hours and hours and hours. You know what she shared with me uh, last week? She says, brother, I walked with some of our brothers and sisters in the Lord, we walked for six hours straight. She says, my feet were hurting, but we were going to this village. I can't pronounce the name for the life of me. But she says, I'm going to this village because there's people there that have never heard of Christ. As she got there, she says, my feet were hurting so bad I could hardly stand. But every single person in that village gave their life to Christ. That being said, my feet stopped hurting. There was so much excitement going on. This is, this is what it is. We are here. We are, around, we are part of a neighborhood that I can assure you there's a lot of people that don't even know who Jesus Christ is. And what's sad to say, they feel they don't need Jesus. But we want to be more like Christ. We are not going to care what they think. We are going to share God's love through our story. Through our story. Now... We're going we're to be praying in one moment, in one moment. And I don't know who, who's here for the first time. I'm, I'm so glad you are here. And I don't know who right now is urging for prayer. The day that I got saved, I was urging for that call. I was just irking because I needed Jesus at that moment. I just needed him. I I was in bad shape. I had a sinful condition. I knew that I needed the Lord and I needed guidance to receive Christ. And I remember when that altar call, I was the first one there. I raised my hands and I said to the Lord, I am never going back. I am never going back. Today is your opportunity. Today is your opportunity to make that decision. In order for us to deny ourselves, to navigate towards Jesus, to be like Jesus, and to take action, our first step is to be born again. That's our first step. Maybe the house is full of Christians. But maybe there's somebody in this room that still needs to make that decision. I'm going to ask the congregation to close their eyes. With our eyes closed and our heads bowed. And everybody praying for that one person that needs Jesus. I'm going to ask for those lay elders that are coming forward to to help us pray, to do so. And I'm going to ask you this. These folks, they're going to pray with you. They're going to pray for you. Now, as your eyes are closed and your heads are bowed, and you say this very simple prayer, And you say, Lord Jesus, I want you to come in my life. I heard your voice this morning, and I realize that I need you. I am in sin. I want to be born again. I deny myself. I want to navigate to be like you, and I want to take action to live by your will. Come into my life. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you said that prayer, you need prayer at this time, you can come forward and and, uh, the lay elders will pray for you. May God bless you. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for the opportunity to listen to God's word.